0: to Paul's letter to the Colossians on this uh, All Saints Day. And for All Saints Day, one of the themes that we find in the Apostles' Creed, which we just said, that really hits home today, as we remember the lives of friends and family who died in the previous year, um, it reminds us of the communion of the saints, And so today we're going to talk a little bit about what does the communion of the saints means, and and at its foundation, it's all about our spiritual connection to one another because we're all connected to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And so there is a deep abiding family connection, kingdom of God connection, because of our faith in Jesus. And that that connection is celebrated in communion, Holy Communion. where we come to the altar, we remember that we're connected not just with those here today, but we're connected with with the church of Jesus throughout the whole world. And so let's look more deeply at this good news. Uh, Paul writes for us, First in Colossians chapter 1, verse three. And, and Paul didn't know the church in Colossia. He'd kind of gotten some news that, uh, that uh, Jesus was growing a movement in Colossia. and so he wanted to connect with them and he didn't know them previously. He, he would did this most likely from jail. And, uh, and this is the prayer He offers for them and for us. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we pray for you because we've heard of your faith in christ jesus and the love you have for all god's people the faith and love that spring from the hope that's stored up for you in heaven and about which you've already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understand God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of so that, you may, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you and us all to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, he has brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption. The forgiveness of sins this is the word of god for you and me the people of god thanks be to god will you pray with me for me today lord jesus guide my words guide my heart guide all our lives let your spirit move that you might accomplish paul's prayer even more in us Um, and so lord jesus uh, help me lift you up today and what you are doing in our hearts and lives in church. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, Paul here is talking about his love for the church. He's talking indirectly also about the communion of saints, which is about what All Saints Day is all about. And so uh, I'm going to try briefly to jump into five areas where Paul gives us indicators of what it means to be a part of the communion of God's holy saints. The first thing we learn about the communion of the saints from this passage is saints pray for each other. Saints pray for each other. And here Paul offers us a wonderful prayer of thanks to God as he's heard about this new community of Jesus and he wants to encourage them to keep on keeping on. And that reminds me today as well, my prayers for each of us here, each of you, is that you, uh, well, I I say a prayer of thanks for you, for your faithfulness, for your love, for your hope, that the world can be a better place and we can be God's people at work in it. I give thanks for you today for all that you are and we want to celebrate that together. That's how Paul begins. And and in addition to this on this day, uh, it also reminds me that we give thanks together for those that have died in the last year. Our parents... Our husband or wives, our, our daughters or sons that are no longer with us. Today we remember them. We celebrate their life and their faith. We celebrate and give thanks for the treasures that they have been for us. And we give thanks that though they're no longer with us, they are in Christ's kingdom of light and love where God reigns. And so we have great hope for these brothers and sisters and so we give thanks today for faith and for love for all God's people and I want to share today just again with you as I've gotten to know you over the last two and a half years I know we still have a couple of more months together but even so I want to go ahead and say I give thanks to God for each and every one of you because I've seen your faith in Jesus. I've seen your desire to follow him, your desire to love him and be his disciples. And I've seen your love for each other. And uh, and that's the biggest blessing any pastor, any shepherd uh, could give thanks to God for. And, uh, and so we, I want to celebrate that today. And I know as I celebrate it, it's not been an easy season for us to journey through, has it? It's not been an easy time to love all God's people. I get that. I understand that. But at the same time, um, well, let me kind of put it this way. We had a a wonderful prayer time together yesterday evening. And one of the things that uh, Shane, our children's pastor, expressed then was how his heart breaks because though we haven't really wanted to and haven't really intended to, for a season our church kind of became a battlefield a battlefield of which way to go and what to do and whenever there's a battlefield even if we try our best not to make it that way um, I know we get wounded we get shot uh, we get stabbed and it hurts and I know so all of us probably are still hurting in one way or another and my hope my prayer is that now that uh, the decision is decided that there would be an opportunity to reclaim the love of God for all God's people instead of being a battlefield anymore we want to bury that season put it to rest and get back to faith in Jesus. Get back to loving and being kind and caring for each other. And I know that's not always easy. It's not always easy, especially when you're hurt or upset or angry. But uh, but that's what God calls us to. And I hope as the Holy Spirit guides us in this, I I hope that you'll be sensitive to that. And that when the Spirit the Spirit may say, "You know what? it's time to begin letting the hurt feelings go i hope you might be sensitive to that if the holy spirit brings to mind an angry word or an unkind word you may have spoken to somebody in the heat of the 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 choosing and disagreement i pray that you might listen for that voice and be, be willing to go to that person and say you know what i know a month or two ago this is what i said and looking back, um, I'm afraid that might have hurt you, and I'm sorry. Um, The more in this season that we can begin the process of allowing the Spirit to help us do those things, the more the love for all God's people that you have and that I have will shine through. So, I give thanks for each of you today and pray that your faith and hope and love may continue to be a blessing for you in the days and weeks ahead, whatever God's future calls us to. The second thing, though, that Paul lifts up today is he also lifts up how the communion of saints is a big, big family that's growing all over the world. It's a big family that's growing all over the world. Today, there are over 2 billion, I think almost 2.5 billion followers of Jesus in the world. There are followers of Jesus in every continent, in every nation, in every tribe, just about on planet Earth. And in the areas where there's not much of a, a brother and sister in Christ, that's a call to us to take good news of the gospel to them and let the truth and power of the gospel infect their lives Paul 2,000 years ago celebrated that this powerful truth the powerful gospel of Christ's death and resurrection was bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world that today Africa is the fastest continent where faith in Jesus is growing faster than anywhere else in the world and probably by 2050, there will be more followers of Jesus in Africa than any other continent on the planet. And that's a good thing. Asia has also been an area where uh, there are many uh, great growth of brothers and sisters who have faith in Jesus, whether it's China or Southeast Asia or some other place, India. India. The kingdom of God is growing in Asia at a fast rate as well, and we've got brothers and sisters there. This morning, I can just about guarantee that we have brothers and sisters who are living in Israel. We have brothers and sisters who are living in Palestine. We have brothers and sisters who are living in Ukraine. We have brothers and sisters who are living in Russia. We have brothers and sisters who are even living in Gaza, uh, being bombed, and, uh, and they are our family. And Paul celebrates this good news that is spreading around the whole world. And, uh, and it's not just good news of different peoples and tribes and nations and tongues, but the other thing that brings us together, brothers and sisters, is we've got cousins that are Baptists. We've got cousins that are Catholics. We've got cousins that are Orthodox. We've got cousins that are Anglican. We've got cousins that are Pentecostal. And that's one of the exciting areas that among the charismatic community, and what is the charismatic community? They're the part of the church that loves to experience Jesus and share that experience of his transforming power in ways that help other people kind of kind of get caught on fire with the Lord. Brothers and sisters, when the, the, the charismatic movement began in 1900, there were less than a million people who had been considered Pentecostal or Charismatic Christians. By 2050, one billion Christians will be of the Pentecostal variety or the Charismatic variety. And that's the the kind of Christian that the, the Methodists started out being. When John and Charles Wesley came on the scene, we were passionate about Jesus too. And I think whenever, as disciples, we're passionate about Jesus, The church grows. And so it's exciting to see that by 2050, one-third of the church worldwide will be a, a body that's vibrant about their faith in Jesus. So that's second. The third thing that Paul shares that we celebrate with the communion of saints is we celebrate those who have introduced us to living for Jesus. We celebrate those who've introduced us to living for Jesus. He mentions Epaphras, our fellow servant, who shared uh, the good news of Christ on our behalf and told us of your love in the Spirit. Verse 8 and 7. Who is your Epaphras today? I know for many uh, on our list that we will remember of all saints. There are many folks on this list who have impacted their families who have impacted their community uh, who have brought many folks to jesus and uh, and so we definitely as we say their names this morning we're going to celebrate their significance in our lives for myself i think about those who have influenced my faith in jesus i think my granny and granddaddy uh, that uh, they've gone to be with the lord jesus now but uh, when my parents were, the, you know, only kind of ready to go to church Christmas and Easter, whenever I was with Granny and Granddaddy, I was there every Sunday. They made sure I was singing the hymns and doing everything, you know, putting a dollar in the offering plate and all that kind of thing. And because of watching my Granddad read his upper room every morning and study his Bible and going with him to Sunday school, those things shaped my faith and life. I think of Adolfo. Adolfo, when I was in sixth grade, he was the college counselor at Cedar Lake Camp uh, who had introduced me to Jesus and said, Chris, uh, it's, you know, we want to encourage you, follow Christ. Let him be first in your life. And Adolfo uh, started me on a journey of faith and following Jesus. I think of Mr. Alan Steele, who as well um, was the, the head of the camp, who would preach to us every week and I'd be there two or three weeks in the summer listening to him every evening, learning and growing in faith and trusting in Jesus. I think of my own father-in-law, Walter Chandler, who we called Pa, um, who loved uh, Andrea's mom, Ma, a ton. And we miss him and he died this last year. Um, I remember early conversations when I was wrestling with being a United Methodist and what that might look like and God's call on my life, conversations with Pa that helped me in that journey too. Who is your Epaphras? Who shared Jesus with you that brings you to a place to follow him? That's part of our communion of saints. The the saints grow and grow and grow as we share Jesus with our children and our grandchildren and those we love. Then the fourth thing. The fourth thing Paul shares is it's the spirit of our brothers and sisters in the communion of saints that call us to be our best, that call us to walk worthy of the calling that we've been called into. Paul writes, we've been called, we're called to live a life that's worthy of the Lord, that pleases him, and that means God has called us to be our best. And, uh, and the good news for you and me is he doesn't accept or expect half best. He doesn't want you just to be okay. He wants to shape you and mold you in the work that he's beginning. He will complete, Paul writes in another place, that God desires to shape us In such a deep relationship with Him that we will be transformed. That God will remove our selfishness. He'll remove those things that keep us from His best. He will help consume the evil in us and bring out the good through the love of His Spirit. And so, Paul writes about this today and shares that part of this is is an intimate knowledge of God and His will so that with God's wisdom and spirit and understanding, we may do what God wants us to do. This morning, I heard Todd. Todd, Todd was listening this morning to Martin Luther King Jr. in his great speech, right, uh, that he gave on the Capitol that one day. And he said, listen, guys, I've been to the mountaintop. I see what's coming. I don't know how long I'm going to be here, but I know I've seen the promised land. And I know that I'm here right now because I want to do God's will. And so Paul prays uh, like Martin Luther King Jr. prayed. He wants us to be a person who knows and does what God wants us to do. That we would be a person who pleased the Lord by bearing fruit in our good works, by growing in our knowledge of God, that we would experience God deeply, by being strengthened with all power, being strengthened by God's glories, and that strength could produce in us great endurance and patience. And brothers and sisters, there's one thing, as I get older in life, I realize more and more: this life, if we're going to live it and be successful, it takes great endurance and patience, because it's not always very easy. So we need that spiritual strength. We need that resource to keep us strong so that we can have great endurance and patience so that we can make it through the tough seasons and find healing and hope for the future and find joy, Paul writes in verse 12 as well, joy in giving thanks to the Father. And then the fifth thing, this is the last deal, is that God calls us, And we give thanks. We're a part of the communion of saints because Jesus rescued us. Jesus rescued me and saved me from darkness. Jesus has rescued you and each of us and called us out of darkness into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his beloved son. And in that kingdom, we possess God's redemption. Jesus has died for us. He has purchased us for himself, and we are forgiven and free. And that's good news, because I can't save myself. I can't even save you guys. There's only one Savior, and his name is Jesus. And I give thanks that he has rescued us today, and the greatest gift is to know him intimately and well. And that's what God calls us to. Paul here three times mentions that he wants us to know God deeply. He wants us to know God's grace. He wants us to know God's will. And when Paul talks about this kind of knowledge, it's not just up here knowing about God. We're not meant just to know about God. We're meant to know and experience Jesus in our hearts and lives. And so I close with a story from Dennis Kinlaw, a a mentor, one of the great preachers in Methodism. And he shares this final word that that we've got to be careful. Knowing about God is a dangerous thing if it's just a head knowledge. And here's what he says You see, the people responsible for crucifying Jesus had more knowledge about ultimate reality than any other people group that had ever lived. They were the only true monotheists around. They had entered into a covenant with the one God. They were living by the commandments he had given them. These people were the most knowledgeable and ethical people alive. And yet, that very knowledge kept them from acknowledging the one who was the reality behind all their intellectual knowledge. The ethics of the Jews kept them from recognizing the creator of all human existence, including human relationships. It was these people, remarkably similar to you and me, who killed Jesus. Knowledge about God is deadly. You ever thought about that? Knowledge about God is deadly. It is only when his presence enters our lives and minds so that our knowledge of him becomes personal that we're protected from crucifying the very one for whom we wait. When we read in Numbers 9 that the people of Israel, they were led by Yahweh's presence. He guided them by a pillar of of fire by night And in a cloud by day, when he wanted the people to stop, he could settle down over the tabernacle. The Israelites' knowledge of God was personal. His presence, gloriously dwelling in their midst, was the supreme reality of their lives. So do you know him in the same personal way? Or is your knowledge merely about him? Today We celebrate the communion of the saints That God Has qualified us To share in the inheritance Of his holy people In the kingdom of light And today during communion We're going to recognize those Who've gone before us They're already in the kingdom of light God has given Them their share and in their inheritance already And we are still on the way but we celebrate that Jesus has rescued us, that we're part of this incredible family that spans the world, that spans time and space, that goes back to the disciples and the church fathers and mothers, and even the poor Christians who lived in the Middle Ages. We are one big family, past, present, and the children of our future. And in this, we give thanks that God is with us in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. you pray with me? Heavenly Father, um, I just lift up our hearts and lives to you today. Let your Holy Spirit bless us and be with us. We thank you for those saints that have gone before, those saints that now are inheriting your presence in the kingdom of light, the kingdom of your beloved Son, Jesus. And Lord, help us... Um, Help us to have the faith, hope, and love you want us to have. Help us to not give up until we walk worthy of the calling that you've called us to, living a life that pleases you. And Lord, saying thank you for that personal encounter, knowing that you have rescued me and each and every one of us. And if there's someone here this morning or listening online that doesn't know you, May they just ask you, Lord, I hear you want to rescue people and bring them into a place of light and love. Could you do that for me too? And I know the Lord Jesus will. And we give thanks, God, that you are faithful. Amen.